All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to the Gospel of John. We're going to change directions tonight. The goal, I was going to do continue on in Jude, uh, but I, I did a live broadcast a little while ago before I came here, and it changed the whole direction of everything. Because I thought we could, uh, that this is very important and practical, so we're going to kind of do this more in a devotional approach, but with some kind of some of the Bible study exercise. I'm not placing this in the Bible study exercise series because even though it's based off of it, we're just going to kind of use it as its own kind of devotional study. All right. Now, unless you've been living, uh, I don't know, on another planet. Uh, or you've been isolated from the world, you're probably very aware of what happened at the Oscars, all right? Chris Rock, comedian, hosting a segment, makes a joke, directed at Will Smith's wife about her loss of hair, okay? Um, He does not specifically attack it so much as just making a reference to a movie from the 1990s called G.I. Jane about a woman who's trying to become a Navy SEAL and she has to shave her head. So he kind of makes this little kind of passing remark about it. At first, Will Smith seems to laugh, right? Um, And then suddenly he, he, he stops laughing and he gets up and he goes up on stage, walks directly towards Chris Rock and boom! Slaps him right across the face. And they call it the slap heard around the world. ABC ABC tried to do their best to censor and edit, but it's 2022 because they censored and edited it, but it wasn't censored and edited in Japan or Australia. So within three minutes of it happening, it was all over social media and then it went completely viral. And then, well, everyone has been talking about it nonstop. In fact, I got a news notification just a few minutes ago uh, about an update on the story because now it's, it's been reported that Will Smith was asked to leave and refused and said no. But when you look at the whole situation, everyone has their opinion on it. I'm not here to get into all of that. But I want to use it for a, 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 very important, a very important purpose to get us to something more biblical and more theological that is relevant to all of us. We, we, we know we all love to do this, right? We all love to look at when other people do something to make it a judgment about them, right? We all, we love, we're all good at making judgment on everyone else, yes? We see something in the news and we immediately do what? Them, they, they shouldn't have done this, they should do this. They're wrong when we, we, we point our fingers. But it's always good sometimes before we make our judgment to look to ourselves. And I think there's a lesson here that we can all look at. So I'm going to ask a question. It's important. What happened, just from, from, from what you know of, of the story, what would we call what happened that motivated Will Smith to get up at the Oscars, get on stage, walk toward the person who's hosting the segment, and then on national television, live at the Oscars, slap the man in the face. What would we call, what, what, what was Will Smith experiencing that would motivate such a drastic reaction? Okay, well, anger, okay. What, would, what caused the anger? An insult, okay. Right? What happens sometimes when you're insulted? You're offended. There we go. That's the word I wanted. Will Smith was offended, right, because of a perceived insult. Oh, you, you, you could argue whether he, he was offended by it at first. Clearly his wife didn't like the joke. Clearly she didn't. And, you know, it's pretty quick. If the wife doesn't like the joke, you better not like the joke, okay? Or maybe he would have been the one getting slapped, okay? But bottom line, he was offended. And he got up. And he walked and he slapped the person who offended him and his wife. Now, here's the question that we have to ask. Now, we can talk about how he handled being offended, but we have to ask a question towards how do we handle being offended? And the reason we need to ask ourselves this question is because this week for the Bible study exercise, it's been John chapter 15, verse 18 to 27, and then chapter 16 of the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 4. Well, 
I had already read it over and over and over and over for the Bible study exercise, but all of a sudden the words of John 16, verse 1, had a different impact after watching what happened and watching the video of him slapping Chris Rock. You know, I don't know how many times I watched it because I was like, my first reaction was, okay, come on, this is staged. Come on, this is, and, and using wrestling terminology, this is a work. This, this is a work. They're, they're set, this is, this, no. And then I guess it appears it wasn't set up. But that, that was my first thought. And then as I began to think about it, and then read John 16 over and over and over and over and over for the Bible study exercise, all of a sudden, it, it hit me. And here's the reason why, all right? John chapter 16, verse 1. Everybody ready? Jesus is speaking. He says, These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. So tonight we're going to spend some time in how do we handle being offended? Okay. All right. Well, that, there's a reason why. Just keep the NIV there. You'll see why in a minute, okay? So, because it's, it's going to make sense. Do, uh, about being offended. How do we handle it? What, think of it this way. Well, you could write this down. What is the biblical way to handle being offended? Now, we can be offended lots of different ways, right? right? Any, any perceived insult, any, anything said to us, in a sense, we are offended. And what's our typical reaction to being offended? Anger, struck, by, struck back, right? In other words, if I'm offended with what, if Twyla says something that's offensive to me, what may I, I may not, hopefully I won't walk over there and slap her, right? That would be wrong. But guess what I may do? I may respond in kind verbally. In other words, sometimes we never slap someone physically, but we can go back and forth verbally. I mean, you know, just get a bunch of kids together and watch what happens. That's not fair. And then they'll, they'll go back, and then next thing in there, they're boom, 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 and there. Because they re- a perceived offense requires some kind of action. So we all have, it, we all have done this, and I, I bet you that most of the time, do we respond biblically to an offense? No. In fact, you could argue that the culture today, everyone is offended. We live in a culture where the culture is just constantly offended. Everyone's offended. I'm offended at this. I'm offended at that. I'm offended at this. I'm offended at that. And our culture, a lot of people refer to it today, that when someone is offended today, what do they tend to do? Seek to cancel. We call it a cancel culture, right? Whether that's a good terminology or not. But everyone is offended by something. Everyone is offended by something. Right? I just got a, a, an alert from American Family Association, I don't know, maybe today, it may have been yesterday, and they want us to boycott Disney because they're offended. Right? They're offended. Right? And, and so now every, if you're offended, we've got we've to go after it. Now, I'm not saying that there's never a time to do something. I just, the question is, the first question should be, what is the biblical way to handle offense? So what's the first question we should ask ourselves? John 16 Verse 1, it says, These things I've spoken unto you for what reason? You should not be offended. Jesus doesn't want them to be offended. Now, before we figure out what offended means, what's the first thing we need to do? Any good Bible student? What are these things? What are these things? What things do you think it refers to? All right, so so, let's, uh, let's do a little debate. How many think it's what comes before, and how many thinks it comes what after, based off the way it's worded? All right, before, these things have I spoken unto you, which would point us backwards. Okay, so I think we could go all the way back to verse 18, I think would be a good place to start, right? All right, so let's, let's go back to John 15, 18, and try to, try to figure out what has been said, all right? John 15, 18. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So what, is the, what does he tell them? What, what does he st- establishes in John 15, 18? What? Well, it, the world's going to hate us. He wants you to know you're going to be hated. Now what happens when someone hates you? 
They're mean to you. They may offend you. They may say and do that which may be offensive unto you. And Jesus is preparing them. Hey, I don't want you to become offended. But you need to know the world's going to hate you. So what does this immediately tell you? Well, tell, tell me if you think I'm wrong. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. I think Jesus is saying that you don't respond to the world's hate by being offended. We do not respond to the world's hate by being offended. I think Christians didn't get the memo. Because Christians are constantly offended by everything the world does. I'm offended, I'm offended, I'm offended, I'm offended. Now, listen, I want to make sure we draw a distinction here. Believing that what the world is doing is wrong, that's different than being offended, right? Because clearly Jesus doesn't want them to be offended. Right? What, what's the, what does he go on to say? If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. He, he is trying to tell them the world is going to hate you. And because I've told you, I've told you the world is going to hate you so that you will not become offended. So immediately, the very first lesson we have is we do not respond to the world's hate with offense. We don't. And not only that, we could, we could draw another point. We need to understand the world's going to hate us. We shouldn't be shocked. We shouldn't, we shouldn't expect it. I don't know why Christians sometimes, oh, can you believe what they did? No, uh, why wouldn't they? Like, the world is not there to operate under Christian rules. I, it's like, again, sometimes it's just like, I don't, like for example, so, so let's say Christians are offended because of what is what a scene that has been added back into the new Buzz Lightyear movie. All right, so everybody's offended by this new scene, this scene that was removed. Now it's been added back. Okay, so Christians are offended about by it. Okay, fine. We don't like it. We don't we don't like it. Now the question is, what is the biblical approach to respond to it? Is it declare a boycott? Now let me ask. So when you declare a boycott, what are you saying? I'm offended. And you should make a movie that I want. But why should Disney worry about making a movie that a Christian wants? Now, I'm not saying you should like it. I'm not saying you should go, it's wonderful. I'm not saying that. It just seems very eager. Like, to me, this is the way the world works now. If you make a movie that offends a liberal, they want to boycott and silence it. And if you make a movie that offends a conservative, they at this point... Like, you know, everybody just wants to see what they agree with and live in a little bubble. But that's not the way it works. Here's the thing. You make a movie I don't like, don't watch it and move on with your life. No, we're going to teach them a lesson. They will not make movies that go against a Christian worldview. Do you realize pretty much everything goes against a Christian worldview? So can you just calm down? Now, I'm not saying you have to like it. I'm not saying you have to promote it. I'm not, have to, I'm not saying you have to run around going, it's the greatest thing in the world, and we're going to watch it 17 times, and we'll watch it in church. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can just say, well, I'm not going to watch that, and just move on with your life. But we get offended. Everyone in the culture is offended by everything. Every joke is offensive. Every show, everyone is offended. Well, everyone lives in a perpetual state of offense. And I don't know if that's... Jesus seems to be saying, to, what? Don't be offended. It's going to happen. They're hitting you. Right? Now, what's, so we figured out what these things are. We figured out Jesus doesn't want us to be offended by the world's hate, right? We should expect the world's hate. What's the next question we should have in regards to John 16.1? Look at the text. Good Bible student. Well, okay, that's a good question. I think uh, he's obviously speaking to the disciples. So I think we've, are, we've established that. Some, some of this I'm going with the expectation of, of we've all been working on this for the Bible study exercise. What would be another good question? Okay, well, there's, an, there's another big one. Another big one. 
Come on. Look at the verse. Look at the verse. It's open book. Shouldn't we stop and go, what does Jesus mean by offended? Wouldn't that be a good question to ask? Don't be offended. Well, what does Jesus mean? By offended. Like, we got to figure that out. So what do we need to do, everyone? We got to look up the word. So first, before we do anything else, let's look up the English word, the English definition. What's the English definition for offended? Do you need need my help? No, no. English. English. We want the English definition. Okay, there we go. Resentful or annoyed, typically as a result of a perceived insult. So this is just that you are bothered, you become resentful, you become annoyed because of a perceived insult. That probably happens in your house every week. Every day. You get annoyed, you get upset, you get irritated because of a perceived insult or or someone did something that offends you. All right? That's the English. Now let's see if the Greek word that's translated offended in the King James does it have anything close to the same idea. So let's go to the Blue Letter Bible app. I'm going to click on verse 1. I'm going to go to the interlinear. The interlinear reads, These things have I spoken unto you that not... Ye should be offended, and guess what Greek word it is. I'm going to have to close the Spreaker app, so, right? Okay, yeah, I'll play it, just because I always, I always do this for everyone. All right, here we go. Everybody ready? Here we go. It's this Greek word. Strong's G, 4624, skandalizo. 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 Scandalizo. So now you all know the word. Scandalizo. So if it's someone in your house is getting offended, you say, Scandalizo, stop it. Stop with the scandalizos. Just stop it. Stop it. No scandalizo at the kitchen table, right? Right? We, we know the word, right? Now, what does it mean? Scandalizo. It's used how many times? Now, right there is going to give us something to do tonight, right? Okay? We got 30 passages to look up. It's translated 28 times. So scandalizo is translated 28 times offend. That means it's not very controversial on how to, tr- how to translate it, right? Make to offend. So we're pretty, we're pretty safe there. Scandalizo. What's Strong's definition? To entrap. Now that's interesting. To entrap. To trip up. Stumble. Entice to sin. Apostasy. Or displeasure. Make to offend. Scandalizo. Now, this is interesting. Now we see why Jesus doesn't want them to become offended. Because when you are offended, what happens to you spiritually? Let's go through each part of that definition. What's the first thing that can happen to you spiritually when you experience scandalizo? Entrapment. You're trapped. You become entrapped spiritually. What's the second thing? Trip. You trip spiritually. Third. Stumble. Fourth. Entice to sin. Scandalizo. Will Smith experienced scandalizo, got up there and smacked someone in the face. And then when he gave his acceptance speech, he talked about the love of loving God and what God has called him to do, which is kind of weird, but okay. All right. But we can all understand that. We've all experienced scandalizo in some way, shape, or form. We've been offended, and sometimes our response is what? Sinful. If you ever want to hear it play out, wait to something, wait to a Democrat does something that Christians think are offensive, Right? Way too Christians are scandalizo because of a Democrat, right? Then just tune in to American Family Radio what, the next morning and <clears throat> listen to uh, today's issues and listen to how they talk about it. They're offended, and guess what? They will resort to calling Joe Biden names, mocking his mental capability, and it's like acting like really godly people. There's nothing godly about that. 
You are offended by what they do. Condemn the action. Condemn the policy. But don't act like a six-year-old with a Twitter account. Because now the, the offense has led you to do what? Respond to the offensive thing in a sinful manner. What do we have a tendency to do? Question, very important. What do we tend to focus on? The thing that offends us or our response to that which we find offensive? Where, where is our focus typically? On that which offends, because that which offends usually immediately hits an emotional cord and we respond emotionally without thinking about it. Okay, oh, I'm experiencing scandalizo. Okay, okay, give me a second here. Okay, I'm experiencing scandalizo, so I'm just going to... Okay, I just need a minute. I need a minute. Okay, so the next time, next time Stacy offends me, I'm going to scandalizo, scandalizo alert. Okay, I'm just going to take a second because I'm going to respond in a godly biblical manner. Okay, okay. How many think that's going to happen? See, now that's kind of offensive. Okay, all right. That's, that's, okay, okay, okay. okay. I can't obey if you heard the earlier broadcast from today. Okay, all right, but I won't go there. Okay, I have the ability, but let's do it. But I, but I don't really. That was the most bizarre. Okay, we won't. Okay, we're 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 talking about previous broadcasts. Okay, nobody else knows knows what I'm talking about. Okay, all right, but we have a tendency to focus on the thing that offends us more than focusing on on our response to it. Because we always tend to put the focus on outside of us, whether inside of us. Here, I'll give you an example. And I'm going to do a, uh, an episode about this. Christianity Today produced the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Right? One of the most popular podcasts over the last probably 12 months. But bazillions of people listen to it. And it was a powerful, powerful story of everything that happened to Mars Hills Church in Seattle and Mark Driscoll. It was painful to listen to. It was sad. It was emotional. And, every, and a lot of people used the opportunity to, to, to the podcast to go, Mark Driscoll's garbage, Mark Driscoll's garbage. But what's crazy is they just released a new episode. Yeah, yeah, because they went, they, they took a long time to finish the series, but they finally finished it. But today, they, I think today or yesterday, they released a new episode. Nope. They released an episode, nothing to do with Mars Hill. Nothing to do with Mark Driscoll. While they were reporting on how, mess, how messed up Mark Driscoll was and how messed up the, Mars, the church was, Guess what was happening to Christianity today? It was being discovered that they had mishandled sexual abuse and sexual harassment within Christianity today. So they had to release an episode going, while we were reporting on Mark Driscoll, we were discovering how messed up we've made things. That's like... Oh my, oh my. Now, I admire the fact that they're willing to release that, but it just is a warning that we always have a tendency to do what? Focus on everyone else. So it's easy for me to focus on the people who offend me instead of scandalizo at stopping and going, wait a minute, how am I going to respond? Yeah, a big organization. The magazine, the website. Yeah, Christianity. What do you mean? No, they're, not, they're the ones who reported on Mars Hill. While they were reporting on all the mess-ups Mars Hills did, it was being discovered that Christianity Today had some serious issues in their own company, their own, their own ministry. Yeah, that's, so it's like when I hit play, they were like, while we were reporting on Mark Driscoll, well, it came to our attention that we've done this and this and this and this. And I'm like, whoa, that's kind of a, that's an ugly situation, right? But it, it's, it's true for all of us. Well, we're over there going, you offended me. Oh, how many people have I offended? Wait, you offended me. Well, wait a minute. Am I responding in a biblical way? That's, what, that's the point I'm trying to get across here. That's the point I want us to see. We've got to think about what it, because if we don't, what are we? So in other words, what I'm trying to say, scandalizo, we experience it. And we, not only can we be entrapped, not can only we trip, not only can we stumble, we can be enticed to do what? Sin. 
We've got to check ourselves. Not only can we be enticed to sin, the next two are very interesting. What's the next one? Apostasy. How do you think that applies to scandalizo? How do you think that applies? How does this idea of apostasy come into play with experiencing scandalizo? Apostasy, scandalizo. What's the connection? Yeah. Have you ever been offended by what happens within Christianity? I mean, right now our culture is, there's about a bazillion TikTok videos being made, it feels like, every day of people deconstructing their faith. Yeah, they've been offended. You can be so offended that you apostatize. You can be so offended that you're like, I'm done with it. Just forget this. Does that make sense? That's why Jesus is like, don't be offended. Because there are, in other words, scandalizo can lead to dramatic spiritual consequences. And what's the next thing he says? Or displeasure. It can have profound impact on you. That's what I want you to... So the reason he's talking about this is because Scandalizo can really mess you up. So let's do this. Let's just go through the... Uh, start working through the, all the places where it, the, the Greek word is, is used. Everybody ready? All right. Scandalizo. Where's the first place it's used in the New Testament? Matthew 5.29. Matthew 5.29. Ready? Ready? Yeah, yeah. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not thy whole body should be cast into hell. 530. Matthew 5.30, and if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that whole body should be cast into hell. Now, what is the idea of offense or scandalizo here? Yeah, the thing, remember what is, what is scandalizo, what does it talk about? Entrapment? Trip? Stumble? Entice to sin? Apostasy. All right. So anything. So if your if your eye or hand scandalizo, in other words, leads you to a trap or to stumble, then you need to get rid of it. Now, clearly, we would think, and I think we can prove that he's not referring to cutting out your eye or cutting off your actual hand. He's using a figurative a figure of speech. What is the point he's trying to make? Get rid of the thing. That is scandalizo. Get rid of the thing that is causing the offense. That's causing you to trip or stumble or whatever the case may be. All right? Now, there's some truth to that, but remember, there's only still only so far that can go because you can't cut out your sinful nature. So, all right? Some people think if you get rid of everything, you'll fix all the problems, but it, it, it doesn't always work that way. All right? So, in other words, here, whatever... Please think, we think of, we can think of being offended by action. Think of this. We can think of being offended by the actions of others, but we need to see that anything that tries to get us to sin as a scandalizo, it should, it's offensive because it's trying to pull us away from God. And so therefore, we should have a strong reaction to it. Does that make sense? All right. What's the next verse? Matthew eleven six and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Blessed is the person who's not offended in me. Now this kind of goes along with the John sixteen idea. What does it mean to not be? A, what does it mean to be scandalizo with Jesus or in Jesus? What does it mean? Yeah, I mean that, that's what he just said, right? Yeah, so what does it mean not to be offended in him? Okay. 
Well, if, if you're a Christian, right, and you're in a world that hates Christianity, in a world that hates Jesus, what do we have a tendency to do when we face a situation where we're around people who don't like something that we like? Some will change and conform, right? People like, oh, you can see it with kids. Oh, man, I love this video game. This video game's the greatest. And then the other kids are like, that game is stupid. That game is complete garbage. It's a dumpster fire. Well, yeah, yeah, I used to love it. I'm not so sure I like it anymore. Like, what? Or all of a sudden, they won't say anything, go home. Hey, I want to get rid of this game. And then because they start trying to go along with what the crowd, because they want the crowd to be a place. Well, the same thing can happen with Jesus. If everyone hates Jesus, then in a sense you are offended by him. And then Jesus becomes the very, a stumbling block to you. Isn't it crazy that Jesus could become your stumbling block? Because the, the way people respond to Jesus is how then you, well, then you, you begin to compromise. Does that make sense? All right. Next verse. All right, 1321. What does it say here? Yet hath he not, not, not root in himself, but dureth for a wall. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the world, and by and by he is offended. This is the parable, right? The seed and the sower. And what happens to this individual? There's no root in himself. And then what does he experience? Tribulation and persecution. Persecution for being connected with Jesus. And what happens? He's offended. He stumbles. He falls because he's offended. He's offended. Some, look, for some people, this is a major issue. Now, look, when you get older, it's less of an issue, right? Now, but it can still be an issue depending on maybe on your workplace. But you're not... You're not you're not as exposed to as much peer pressure when you get older, right? But when you're younger, this stuff can really mess people up. But if the world turns against Jesus completely, you'll, you'll, you'll put it... What happened when Peter got... Hey, are you with Jesus? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who that is, right? I don't, I don't even know the man, right? Okay, because that's, that's what can happen when you face a little bit of peer pressure, right? Next. Matthew thirteen fifty seven. And they were, Matthew thirteen fifty seven. and they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. Again, people are being offended with Jesus or in him, which is an interesting concept. Next, Matthew fifteen twelve. Then came his disciples and said unto him, knowest that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying. Sometimes people are offended by what? God's word. Now, I want, I want you to think about this. This is an interesting concept, right? We think of, we, sometimes as Christians, we think of all the things in the world as being the thing that causes offense. Jesus can be the thing that causes offense. The Bible can be the thing that causes offense. You can become offended by the Bible, which can lead to Scandalizo, you, you, you read the Bible, you experience scandalizo, which can stump, you can stumble, trip, fall, right? Does that make sense? Now, the, the, the well, I won't, get the, I won't get a solution yet right now, but just so that you understand, whenever we read the Bible, there's always the potential of scandalizo because it's not our thoughts, it's not our ways. And so what do a lot of people do? They don't like what it says, Right? Here's what happens. Here's what I want. Here's what the Bible says. They immediately experience scandalizo. So then what do they do? Remember one of the dangers of scandalizo in the definition? Apostasy. You're going to like, I don't want it anymore. I'm going to walk away from it. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it because yeah, I don't want that stuff. And you can understand, right, that it's going to happen. It, it can happen, all right? Next. We're going to move quickly. 1727. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast in a hook and take up the fish 
that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money, and take and give unto them for me and thee. Everyone look at Matthew 17, 27. I want you to look at Matthew 17, 27. Look at the context and tell me who is talking and who are they not trying to offend? Well, y'all look at it and see. It's about paying tribute or taxes, right? Who, who tells them to go do this? Jesus, he goes, tells them to do what? Pay it. Lest we should offend them. Is there a lesson in this? What's the lesson here? That as a Christian, should we not strive not to be offensive to the world? I mean, look, I, I know that this, cre- I mean, this creates all kinds of controversy, especially in, in, since with the pandemic and everything, and everybody gets upset. But isn't there, like, again, when, many Christians were offended by the rules handed out by some states and some, uh, you know, the CDC or whatever. They were offended by it. And how was many Christians wanted to respond? Rebellion, revolt, all claiming to be spiritual. But yet, here's a principle here where Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Let's not offend them. Go pay it. Follow the rules. Now, am I saying that we should always follow every rule? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, you, please, this, is what I, this is what drives me crazy. Christians don't ever perceive layers. They always think everything is just black and white. There's some th- things, there's different layers to it, Right? There's a principle here of not offending. All right, what can I do not to offend? I mean, it's a global pandemic. Maybe there's some things as Christians we could do not just to unnecessarily offend our neighbor. What could we do? Is that, is that, a, is that a reasonable question? That's not even a reasonable question in some people's minds. Because it's all a grand conspiracy and, 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 and you know, go all Alex Jones on everyone. And it's like, come on, people. Can we just talk about this? All right. So I think that's an interesting verse, right? Next. eighteen six. But those, but whoso shall offend one of those, these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for them uh, that a milestone were hanged about his neck and that he was drowned in the depth of the sea. Now, what's interesting is we're always good at pointing out everyone else who should have the milestone tied around their neck. Right? It's quick. It's easy. I, I see it all the time. You, you, can, you mean, there, there's Christian articles about who should have the milestone tied around their neck. We have to ask ourselves, in what way could we offend someone who believes? That's the question. All right. What's next? We're not going to make it out of Matthew at this rate. 18.8. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off, cast them from thee. All right. We've already looked at that. Same, same concept we've already talked about. 18.9 uh, is the same concept. Yes. All right. 24.10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Again, the idea of being offended, being offended in him, being offended because of, 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 of truth. Next, 2631. Then saith Jesus unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Jesus tells them what's going to happen. When they come to get him, they're going to be offended. And offended in what way? I don't want to be associated with him. Uh-oh, I don't, want to, I, don't, I don't want no connection with him. It's going to make me look bad. They're going to scatter. They're going to hide. Right. Next. 26.33, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet I will never be offended. Never! Because I can do it! Didn't quite work out so much, did it? What is, that? What is the warning here? Yeah, don't think you're beyond being offended and acting in a foolish or sinful manner. Right? It's easy to say, man, Will Smith, what was your problem? Be careful you'll find yourself in some situation where you're doing something dumb. Doesn't mean you excuse wrong behavior. 
Just means you always want to, when you see wrong behavior, look at you first. That's what I'm, I'm trying to do with the whole situation here. Okay. All right, next. Oh, we made it to the Gospel of Mark finally, all right? Four, seven. Now, some of these will be repeats of what we've already seen, and this one is the, the, the parable again. And have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. When affliction or persecution arise for the world's sake, immediately they are offended. All right? Mark 6.3. That was Mark 4.17. Mark 6.3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, uh, and, and uh, uh, Joseph, and of Judah, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him, right? Mark 9.42, whoever shall offend one of these little ones, right? We've talked about that one. Then Mark 9.43 is the, the hand and the foot, the, the cutting it off concept, and I in verse 47. All right, so we've looked at all of that. Mark 14.27, we've already covered this. Jesus saith unto them, all ye shall be offended, right? Mark 14.29 Peter said, all shall be offended, but not I. Right? Um, Luke 7.23, we've already looked at this. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Luke 17.2 uh, is the milestone, uh, the millstone, I should say, being uh, hanged about someone's neck. Then we go to John chapter 6, verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? And what is offending them? His teaching. Yeah, yeah, we won't get into all of the specifics of the teaching, but yeah, his teaching. We can be offended at his teaching, and we got to realize when we are. Look, it's better to acknowledge that you don't like a text and you, it bothers you than to pretend and put on a robe of self-righteousness that it's all good with you. Because sometimes we just go to admit, man, I, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. There's plenty of them that I don't like. John 16, 1. We've already read. That's our text. Now, go to Romans 14, 21. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Now, what is the principle here? We haven't written this principle down. What's the principle in Romans 14, 21? If it offends someone else, don't do it. You give up your right to do it if it causes offense to someone else. Now, does that mean you can never do it? I think the principle is what? You don't do it in front of them, around them, or flaunt it, or promote it, or you just, you just, you just step back from it. All right? Does that make sense? A lot of Christians forget that, don't they? Like, everyone likes that. Like, I want to make it clear. Everyone loves that principle until you say, hey, we, we just have, some, we have someone in our church now who's a, a vegan and they, uh, they're against eating meat. All of a sudden, everybody in the church isn't so prone at the next church potluck to give up meat, are they? Everybody's like, that's ridiculous, stupid, liberal, we eat cows around here, right? Okay, how about you get over it, and but nobody likes that idea, right? See, it's great. The, the principles of Scripture are wonderful when we keep them theoretically, and, uh, you know, and we can feel, oh, look, oh, what a great spiritual principle. And they're like, okay, well, now it's time to apply it. And everybody's like, well... <laughs> I was only joking. I didn't really mean I was going to put it into practice. I mean, come on. you can make it the memory verse for this week, but I'm not going to do it. Okay. It becomes difficult. Yes. Right. Next. First, wherefore, if meat make thy brother, my brother to offend, I will not eat flesh. While the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. I mean, that's taking it really far. 2 Corinthians eleven nine. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is offended? And I burn not. And I think, is that all of them? That's all of them. All right. So, what are some key principles we've learned about how to handle being offended from a biblical perspective? What are some key principles? I've given you a bunch. I've not, like, numbered them. Okay. Get rid of the thing that's offending you. Okay. That's causing you to stumble. What's some other? Okay, blessed is if, if we're not offended in Christ, meaning that there's a possibility we could be. What's some other principles? 
that, we, that people can be offended by the word, including us. We can be offended by the word. Any other principles? What? Yes. Say that again. Sometimes we. Yeah. Sometimes we have to do something we don't want to in order not to offend, and then sometimes to, we have to give. Yeah, not do something in order not to offend. And, and those, those are principles that we have. In other words, we have to be willing not to be offensive to others. Not to cause anyone else to stumble, to give up our rights. There's not a lot of talk about that, is there? There's not a lot of talk about that. I mean, I mean, all I've heard during the pandemic was our rights, our rights, our rights, our rights, our rights. Nobody ever said, what about anybody else's rights? What about anybody else? And it's like, they didn't care. Nobody cares about anybody else. It's, 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 a, it's a problem of selfishness sometimes. Well, which we know why, because, well, that's in all of us, is it not? All right. Now, there's, there's a lot of scriptures. We, I have a, I've got a list of scriptures, probably about 40 scriptures, that pertain to being offended and, and looking at it from a biblical way. Um, there's a lot here that we can uh, look at. I'll just, I'm just going to briefly mention a couple of these, right? Uh, Proverbs 19.11, depending on the, your translation, says something like this. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is, it is his glory to overlook an offense. Sometimes it's good to overlook an offense. Sometimes it is. Would we agree? All right. Um, Proverbs 9, 7 through 9. Again, I'm using, uh, I'm using a different translation here. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. Who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The idea here is we have to be smart sometimes and that person's foolish and so sometimes we don't like their foolishness or their stupidity so we immediately want to jump in and try to correct it and sometimes all we're doing is allowing the fact that we're offended by their, their idea that we end up well, creating a bigger problem. We have to sometimes think about it, right? Yes? In other words, there's a time and place to speak, and there's a time sometimes just don't say a word. Okay? And I think this is interesting. Proverbs eighteen nineteen. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. When you get offended, you can be more unyielding than a strong city. You're not going to back down. Because you're mad and you're upset. And sometimes when we're in fighting or arguing with someone, guess what? What's happening? Nobody will back down. Because someone got offended at some point in the argument, so we keep going and going and going and going and going. And what do we have a tendency to do? Okay, that's not us. Okay. That's you, okay? I'm just the victim of it, okay? But sometimes, and guess what? You say something, they say something. You gotta get, you gotta say it back because you gotta have the last word. Yeah, right. Because because we we wanna we not only are we offended, we want the other person to acknowledge that they offended me and that they were wrong in offending me. Right? I'll, I'll give you. I'll just give you an example of, of this, and I and I gave this in the live broadcast that I did earlier. All right, uh, the other day, was it? it may have been yesterday. It may have been the day before. I can't. I do too many broadcasts, so they all run together. Okay, but I did a broadcast on uh, Saint John of the Cross. All right, because our daily bread um, aired a program, or well, their, their, their daily devotional program. It's about five minutes long. And they mentioned St. John of the Cross, and they referred to him as a 16th century reformer. And as soon as I heard that, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, Stacy, did you hear that? And she didn't care and told me to be quiet, because I'm, I don't know why it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Shouldn't we be talking about biblical things? But some people are ungodly. All right, so I'm like this. So I immediately grabbed the iPad and was like, wait, 16, save this, save this. So like the next day when I got an opportunity, I played that little clip from it. And I said, 16th century reformer? 
What does that make you think when you hear that uh, St. John of the Cross was a 16th century reformer? What, what comes to your mind? The Protestant reformers. No, that's completely wrong. He was one of the counter-reformers. He was a Catholic. Counter-reformation. The counter-reformation. The counter-reformation. So I'm like, this is, so I gave a little bit of history of St. John the Cross. I gave when he was born. I gave when he died. I gave some basic information, his connection with Catholic mysticism. Some just basic, 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 like about a 15, 20-minute church history lesson. Thought nothing of it. I'm good, right? All right, a little bit of church history, great. Everyone now knows who St. John of the Cross. I read one of his poems. I, I, I just mentioned basic stuff. No big deal. Moved on. So I got a notification. Bing. What? Someone on YouTube, of course, YouTube. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, what is the world? So this guy just basically accuses me like, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't have a clue. Uh, you, and I'm like, what? A, what what, what did I get so wrong? So I looked again. I'm like, St. John of the Cross. That's when he was born. That's when he died. Okay, he was a counter-reformation. Like, I know, I know this. I already know this stuff, right? I know this stuff. And then, and then he starts basically attacking me. And I'm like, man, you're referring to Paul of the Cross, not John of the Cross. Paul of the Cross is like, he's in the 1700s, like completely different country, completely different everything. Like, what are you talking about? So then I try to correct him and he's like, and then he, he basically accused, you mentioned Paul of the Cross. And I'm like, go listen to me. I never mentioned Paul of the Cross one time in my program. What are you talking about? Right? And I'm like, I know what I'm talking about. You're the one who's bringing it. And he's trying to accuse me that I was talking about Paul of the Cross and not John of the Cross. I'm like, no, John, I gave the very date he was born. And what's wrong with you? Right? So then I got very tempted. I, yeah, he made all kinds of accusations. He, he's like, you need to read The Dark Night of the Soul. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've never read that. Never heard of that. Like, he's, he's just making all these assumptions. Like, I don't know anything about Catholicism. Like, I'm just clueless. I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm getting, so, I, so then I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll grab the microphone and I'll, I'll record a response. That's an, e- that's an easy episode, right? I don't need any notes, right? I can just say, like, ladies and gentlemen, John of the Cross. Here's the information. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul of the Cross. Go look at the person on YouTube saying foolish things. Right? And then I can say, but I'm doing it for a godly reason. Because I want to show everyone that you should not make assumptions when you post comments on YouTube. That sounds godly, right? So I got ready to do it. And then I realized... I think I'm upset. I think I'm offended. I think I'm a little bit offended here. I think that I'm offended because this person is making assumptions. And so I'm going to try to belittle the person. Now, the, because the person never came back and said, because I did try to respond in the comments, and the person never came back and go, oh, man, okay, you're right. Okay. I, 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 yeah, two-second Google search. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're two different people, right? I, but he never came back to apologize because I guess he probably walked away still thinking, but say, I wanted to be right. So in other words, a comment on YouTube gave a little bit of offense, which became a stumble and enticing me to do a Will Smith. I wanted to be a, do a spiritual Will Smith. And then, and then, but I was going to convince myself that I was doing it for spiritual reasons. You say how utterly messed up we are? Okay, you're all looking, no, you're the one messed up. Okay, you've got your own issues. So, here's, here's the, the million dollar question. It's great to say, don't be offended. Right? And everybody's like, okay, I'm going to try not to be offended. And probably before you get home, someone in your car will offend you. Bobby's good to go tonight. Is anybody riding in your car? Okay, I so say he's good to go. Okay, I, th- I saw Austin back there. She... Oh, okay, good. So he, she can offend you. Okay, all right. So, so Bobby's good. Bobby's the only one's going to make it home without, uh, unless someone cuts in front of him and dri- driving, then, then he may get offended. Okay, but so here's the question. You ready? What is the biblical answer to handling offense in a biblical manner? What is the biblical answer to handling offense in a biblical manner. 
Okay, I hope, I, I, I don't think that's a scripture about taking a deep breath. Okay, I, it's not a bad idea. What do you think? What do you think? We can't go home until y'all can find the answer. Just, uh, just uh, to me, the only principle that will work in fixing this. It's scriptural. Okay, I think two people said the same thing at the same time. What was it again? Consider others more. Okay, that, that, that's, that's kind of good. I don't know if that will completely help. Okay, do I? Oh, Stacy's offended because she felt like that was a good answer. Okay, okay. But I was wrong! Okay, all right. Some people get offended when they, the preacher tells them they're wrong. Okay, I mean, I never do that. I'm always like, well, that's, that's okay. That's good. Okay, now, sometimes I, I'm not so good at doing that. I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? All right, but, okay. Jesus gave a very important principle about following him. He gave it to Peter after he probably offended Peter when he said, hey, you're Satan, and get behind me, okay? Right? Could be kind of offensive, but he gives this very important principle. If you're going to follow him, three things are required. Deny self, die to self, stop following yourself. That's how I, I know it's to follow him, but if I'm following him, I'm not following myself. So I always put it in regards to self. Well, I, do, I, just, I, just, I know this may become a, a, a shock, if you're dead to self and denying self, it's probably going to be hard to be offended because all offense is something that you feel is an attack upon yourself. But if you're dead to yourself, it's going to be hard to be offended, right? Again, we, I mean, it's, I know I use the illustration all the time. Go to the cemetery and just start trying to offend everyone in it. In Matthew, I believe it's 16. Okay, I believe it's in 16. And it's also repeated in Luke. It's, it's repeated a couple times in the gospel, right? Okay? All right? Everybody got this? So if we die to self and we deny self and we're not following self, it's going to be hard to be offended, yes? Because let's be honest. You can get offended at something your kids say or do. Can you not? And what do we have a tendency to do when they offend us? We want to say something back. How dare you talk to me that way, right? We don't like it. Spouse, neighbor, co-worker, stranger, Disney, okay, whomever it may be, we get offended all the time. Now, again, I am not, I don't want anyone to mis- misunderstand me. I'm not saying you're like, well, that's just a horrible, ungodly thing. doesn't bother me at all. I'm not saying that. You can condemn the ungodliness without becoming responding in a way that shows that you're responding out of an offense that causes you to stumble or entices you to sin. But if you die to self, it's hard, it's hard for someone who's dead to self and denying self to do much. Yes? We have to live. And guess what? We have to wake up every... Think of it this way. This is the spiritual life. You have to wake up every day and crawl into the grave. You have to go to the bed, to the grave. And the next day you have to wake up and go from the bed to the grave because we crawl out of the grave constantly, right? And we come crawling out of the, you, you, we can say, oh, I'm dead, okay. I'm dead to self, I'm dead to self. And then someone says something, you come crawling out of the grave like, okay, I'm coming for you, okay? Because that's, that's what happens over and over and over again, all right? Does that make sense? Everybody, everybody okay with that? Right. And just to, hang on, I'm going to make sure of something here before we stop. Yeah, Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said unto his disciples, right? In verse 23, he says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but that be of men. Right? Peter's, uh, Peter has offended Jesus in a, in, a, in, a, in a way. And then what does he say to them? If any man will come after me, Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Matthew 16, 24. I I wanted to make sure I was giving the right reference there. Okay. All right. Any questions? All right. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you. Forgive us for our wrong handling of offense. Help us not be offended in you.
and help us handle the offense of others in a correct and biblical way. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said,